Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode, third full-length episode of Over the Bridge in the Abba Dabba Ding Dong. Um, yeah, we're going to be covering, oh yeah, I didn't do this the last time, and I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Andy Warbler. Yeah, that's me. I actually was concerned after the second episode there that people would be like, who is, anybody new to the podcast? To this, anybody new to this new podcast? Who is this? Who is this mysterious person? And then at the end they're like, Hmm, Andy Warbler at gmail.com. I guess, I guess that's, I guess maybe it's Andy's name. Andy Warbler is Andy Warbler. No, it's Andy. Andy Warbler. So yeah, we are going to be looking at what's the? Oh yeah, the Uplift Mofo Parody Plan. That is quite a mouthful to say fast. So I'm going to try it again. The Uplift Mofo Parody Plan. Okay, it was a bit easier that time, but to me, a couple of times I've really like. It's almost a bit like the title of this podcast where I nearly fall over it sometimes. I made it intentionally difficult. Or, well, maybe not intentionally, but I've, you know, somehow I've made it difficult for myself. One, you know, one recording of this podcast, an early one, one from long ago. And I was like, you know, I was like, welcome to Over the Bridge in the Abba Dabba Do. And then I realized, wait, oh, this is not a Flintstones podcast. And before I knew it, I'd spent the whole podcast talking about Flintstones and you know, the troubled relationship with Fred and Wilma and, you know, whatever sort of fake, nice, happy stuff was going on with Betty and Barney. Betty and Barney, isn't it? Yeah. And then the crossover into the um, Hanna-Barbera, the multiverse of, um, uh, shared universe, rather, of um, the Jetsons. And then I realised, oh my God, I subconsciously went from, from Yabba Dabba Doo to talking about the Flintstones to their Jets, Jetsons and before you know Top Cat and Hong Kong Fu were in there as well. It was it was a mess. I had to I had to stop. Anyway, so yes, this is over the bridge in the Abba Dabba Ding Dong about the Red Hot Chili Peppers or Red Hot Chili Peppers. And you know, the reason I make that sort of differentiation is because a couple of times in their albums they call themselves the Red Hot Chili Peppers and then they're just like Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's a bit like a band like um I think when there's like an object attributed to a band name, you, you can't help but put a dead in front of it. Like Foo Fighters or Death Foo Fighters. And then like, you know, that that's fine. There was a lot of bands in the early zeros who just were like, there's something, you know, the strokes. Um, that's it. <laughs> uh, but no. I think some forty one. They they did um around the time of all these dead bands. And I don't mean like I'm not lumping in the red whatever red hot chili peppers in there. But there was a lot of bands who just went for this kind of garage kind of rocks you know sound. And you had the Strokes, as I said, the Vines, the Hives. Now we're getting into it. The White Stripes, and some forty one had just come out prior to that, and I think they felt like. Hey, we're still the new, you know, we're, you know, and whatever. And so they did a video. I can't remember the song. Um, answers on a postcard. Um, but it was like this, the, the sums. And they were kind of, the video was kind of taking the piss out of that kind of name thing. But, uh, it just came across a bit dated, them doing that. They're already dating that kind of, that look and like that, the, whatever garage look but also see dating themselves just because they're they're you know it was it was veering into this is not rock and roll music uh because <laughs> that's the way the guy out just so the summons are some 41 talks um yeah um uh, but anyway this is not about that this is about the third album from those peppers those chili peppers those dead chili peppers um, the uplift muffle party plan, which is actually, as I said, more and get more, get more confident saying it. Um. So yeah, we'll. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I have nothing really else to add. Any preamble in terms of this? Oh, I will say, uh, Cliff Martinez is now out of the band, and Jack Garns has replaced him as a drummer. And um, I'm looking forward to. It. I, I'm familiar with some of Jack Garren's work. He, he has what I would say is a very kind of um, 
I don't know if I'd say it's very tribal. Certainly, on some albums I've heard him on before. He he his. I wouldn't say he's a real. Uh, like he can hit those drums really hard, but I think he almost has a sort of a tribal kind of style going on. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing him. As for Cliff, I was exiting the band. I mean, from what I gather, it was there was some discord, drugs group members, and there's lots of look. Uh, people who are familiar with you know have a casual familiarity with the dynamics of the Red Hot Chili Peppers know that there's some drug use especially in the early years I don't really I mean look I I can refer you know the aim of this podcast is to refer to to understand them through the music I don't I don't really want to get into backgrounds I mean I know some of the songs are written about drugs and well all sorts of stuff and you know love and getting off and referring to yourself as the swan and you know all that sort of stuff uh, so far anyway in, in this journey of you know how far we've come in the podcast but um i think my aim really is just to uh it's just to talk about the music and rather than turn it into a behind the scenes behind the music kind of a thing i mean some of that you know the songs might inform some of that stuff but i i kind of don't want to get into all the other stuff because it's just it's just easy to kind of get bogged down in that, and I just think it's like no, let's just let's just talk with the songs and we'll see. I mean, and I think you can get away with that with a band like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think when it comes to you know certain other acts who, uh, unfortunately, they're you know now you listen to their music and it kind of comes into question about uh, is it you know their their private life. Uh, really takes over from the music to the point where it sort of tarnishes music or at least puts it into question like you know I'm thinking like you know Michael Jackson or, or someone like that that you're just like you can't help but you know you can't separate the, that celebrity status and the and what's going on the media portrayal of them and the music I mean obviously you know Likes of Mike Jackson's dead, but even when he was alive, you know, there was a lot of, well, you know, you can't, you know, you can't listen to his music without raising questions. Whereas I think with a band like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you can, you know, they don't have, I mean, maybe they do have some, you know, skeletons closet, but that's not what this podcast is about. And I don't think when you listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers, you necessarily think of any of that right now. I'm not saying that's right or wrong it's just um it's just how it is they don't have um they don't have michael jackson syndrome they don't have kevin spacey syndrome where it's just like Ooh, can i go can i go back and listen to this right now or watch this or whatever you know um so yeah let's let's have a good time with this album and i'll get talk with the artwork now the more i see the more i see the more i see this album artwork it's not good and i like it um it's just really, really busy. Um, also, the drawing—I mean, I don't mind the kind of juvenile drawings. Um, they remind me of the debut album, which I'll get back to in a second. But on top of the actual drawings themselves, there's kind of outlines in in brown and a really—I would call that kind of brown color like real, it's real shit brown. Um, it's just a lot of nothing. It's just really, I don't know if this is actually, like, I mean, I presume it was specifically done for the album. Actually, it, yeah, it was. But I don't know if this was, like, something that was initially done on a wall. It kind of has a real spray painting going on with it, which, that's fine in and of itself. It's just, whatever's going on here, just, Yeah. And then you have the, you have the kind of a circular kind of a psychedelic thing of the band just kind of to the left of the the middle ground, and it's in and of itself that's kind of okay, but just with everything else, it's really like yuck. And then on top of that, uh, icing on the cake is the is the red hot chili peppers. Um, 
and the upload from Mofo Party Plan um, font, just this, uh, just like the two typefaces don't really work together anyway. Um, but I just think on top of this real fucking hideous artwork is just, it's a big no-no. I mean, I was thinking about it and I think, like, look, the album could be great, we'll get in, you know, we will get into that, but if I were like, I wouldn't have, and you know, if this was, if it was during the height of my interest in the band, I don't think I would have picked up this album just based on this, and this is years ago before I had what I would call a discerning taste, and um, you know, what I like visually, uh, it's just, it's, it's just cack, um, Oh yeah, and I said that just I said it remind me a little bit of the, the debut album artwork. And you know, that's actually because it's done by the same guy who did the first album's artwork. Uh, his name is Gary Panther. So yeah. And I'm just I'm just primarily talking to front. I don't think he had anything to do with the uh, the group shot. Um which kinda of looks like it's actually yeah, kinda of looks like it's a swim pool in water or something like that. Um but yeah, don't like this album artwork. Um, at some stage, you know what? For the laugh, I probably will rank the album artwork at the very end. Um, but without giving too much away, I'd say this is definitely way way down. Okay, so before I actually listen to the album, I guess I've listened to, to the. This will be the last of the um, the three albums I haven't heard so and look as i said i'll be going to your albums I, I guess relatively fresh uh but these are like brand brand new listens for me brand brand new um and i hope i i, I do have at this stage now i kind of do have some hopes for at least this album in terms of you know what what do i hope to get out of this album i have vague recollections of how i felt about the the other albums following on from this but as for this album, at least off the back of the first two albums, I I hope there's not as much, um, you know, um, short. I don't mind short songs, but I hope there's not much like thirty second, uh, really short filler songs. It doesn't doesn't seem to be that many. There might be maybe one in there, but I think what I'd really like, what I like to get out of this album. And I'm not going to force it if it's not there, but I would like side B to at least. I don't mind if side B is even better than side A. Um, I just I would like at least just in my head that this one is not as front loaded like the last two because it felt like the last two. You know, relatively speaking, their best songs were in the first half, and then we get into a lot of blips dips, snips even, and uh, the second half. So, I would kind of like, it doesn't have to be like big, you know, like, pops, well, I don't mean pop songs, but you don't have to be create hits, just, I would just like something that's a bit consistent on side B. So, yeah, and actually as it happens, I know two of these songs, I think, from previous iterations, or at least one of them from a live thing, but you know, I might talk about during this side A listen. Uh, I know me and my friends a little bit. And I actually am familiar with Fight Like a Brave, but I I certainly with Fight Like a Brave I think I've only heard it once. I was like, yeah, that's alright. But anyway, that's that. Let's um yeah, so let's start with Fight Like a Brave, which is on side A. That's the first song on side A. Uh, up to uh Behind the Sun, the the last song on side A. So yeah, that's it play. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop that Stop that play button. I need to just address that this... I don't even know if I need to address this, but I will address it. Uh, new producer in this one, um, Michael Beinhorn. Beinhorn. Not really sure how you pronounce that, but you know what? I'm going to say Beinhorn because it sounds like if he was a rogue student on a campus college that the, the dean would just be like, Beinhorn! I'll get you for this! So yeah, we'll go Beinhorn. 
Um, apparently, um, someone suggested him to produce the the band or produce this album because they're like, hey, you might know what to do with this or we don't know what to do with them. But anyway, so that's that. Okay, let's hit play. Fight Like a Brave. So, my familiarities with the song is pretty recent. In fact, while I wouldn't go so far as saying it was my main inspiration for the podcast, I think after I was doing a bit of a down a YouTube hole and then this song came up and I was like, yeah, I, I played. And the video, I mean, I don't remember much about the video and that's not neither here nor there, but I just remember thinking that, that's a pretty good song and it wasn't I hadn't really been familiar with um any of the Hillel stuff but I just I just liked the the song and then I thought, you know what, there might be more to uh you know, it might be quite good to uncover the band's um the work I wasn't familiar with. So I guess it was just another part of the reason as to how I began this podcast. Um yeah, I, I really like this song. Um I would say it's quite, I mean, again, mission statements about with albums, but I feel like this, at least with that song, it just feels like um, it's really brawny. Um, it's just, unlike, say, like, it really feels like a real rock song, um, obviously with the funk in there as well, but, like, compared to some of the stuff in the last album, and I, obviously that was a, a, you know, a funk rock album, but this just feels... It just feels like, just even the production on it, it just feels like some things have been turned up. The The drums are, uh, you know, they're unrelenting. Um, Jack Gardens is brilliant on the drums there. Um, you know, I, I even like, um, I feel like there's some Flea Seinfeld bass going on in there. But there's some nice ways that... Um, you know, Anthony, he, he does uh, some, like, the sound is fight like a brave. And it's, I mean, to put it succinctly, it's just about, I guess it's about standing up for yourself and just, you know, don't mind this, don't, don't, don't mind the system. It, that's, that's like, don't mind the system is almost like a, um, that's like um, a soccer version of Rage Against the Machine. Don't mind the system. Um, uh yeah, but there's a nice bit where you know he does some really nice enunciation, and he's, you know if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and it's just the way he says that. It's just I don't know. I just his vocal delivery and his enunciation is just better. Of course, Salel is great as well because there's a nice guitar solo in there at some stage, halfway through, and the song is it's just a really cracking opener. Um, what else can I say about the song really? Um, it's it's just a real stomper, and oh yeah, they mentioned the album title. In, in there and I think it's in a bridge but uh, Anthony mentions it not they all mention it it's just Anthony but yeah great opener Funky Crime that's the uh, that's the hook in the course of Funky Crime um, this one sees uh, the song the overall song it's a little bit slower uh, than the than Fight Like a Brave but still kind of has that brawny uh, beat that brawny beat uh, and um yeah, um it, it kinda says their turn with the Bobcat Goldfade impression in those courses. Um mixed in with a bit of Eric Carpen. Um I don't really have a lot to say about this song other than Funky Cream Um other than Funk's Colours Blind. Did you know that? Um anyway, uh, like you know what? This song's okay. It's a uh, it's an okay second song. It you know, it's a bit At first, it's a bit bleh, but I think it's kind of something I could, you know, it's it isn't a, it's an okay second song, and let's just move on. Okay, track three, me and my friends. Um, yeah, I'm. This is um, a song I'm really familiar with because, I how I kind of got into the band in the first place was around the Californication era, uh, but it was a live show that was on TV and I recorded. It. 
and it was again it was a tour I think that album had just come out but one of the songs that played on this uh on this uh set list was me and my friends and I just I really liked that song obviously after talking about a fight like a brave I didn't like it enough to pursue uh the early albums well that's not entirely true this is back when you couldn't couldn't download stuff so easily and whatever so um yeah um this song is just it's really great I actually haven't heard it since that when I did you know watch where that uh recording out on tape um there's some great um fair play to Anti. um the stamina he has on singing this the song and the verses because there's a lot lots of lyrics and just like it's real machine gun uh singing i guess it's you know it's almost um i guess it is kind of like rapping but um yeah those verses something else also this um the song kind of again it's one of the songs it doesn't talk about the band being the red hot chili peppers but it does it certainly talks about two members of the band um hillel and jack just references to both them well you know they're very um uh how do i say the very lateral kind of references to both of the mother then saying one says jack's a working class drummer um and then there's a guy called bob i don't know if bob is supposed to be flea or something else but because you know he's already mentioned two guys in the band and whoever bob is but anyway and um yeah it's just it's just a cracking song um and i actually Given you have this really fast song, I really like. I don't mind the second song. So I mean, I didn't mind the second song. Uh, what was it called? Funky Crime. Funky Crime. But um, I just kind of just a nice kind of a. It sounds in between two great songs. Um, and uh, oh yeah, this song kind of has two endings. It sort of ends and then there's a little bit of a silence and then it ends again. It's just it's a bit unusual, but I don't mind it. It's it's okay. It's okay. Backwards. This song's kind of grown on me a bit. Um, I have to be honest when I when I heard the lyrics to this, especially the chorus. Well, actually, it was mainly the chorus. And I was like, "Take me to your backwards now." <laughs> I have to be honest, I thought it was a another sexual reference after the last album. I kind of certainly by the second half of the other, the last album, um, I kind of thought, "Oh, here we go." Um, but no, it's it seems to be kind of an ode to um. The um I guess the masters of blues and rock and roll. Um um Chuck Berry's mentioned in there, Little Richard, he's also mentioned there's a reference to Little Richard aside from his name, there's a reference to the long tall daddies of rock and roll, so that's obviously a reference to Long Tall Sally, a Little Richard song, if you didn't know. Um and there's also a guy called Larry Holmes in here now. I, I wasn't sure who he was, but it turns out he he's a former American boxer. Um, to point out this, I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, but these are all people of color. I I at first I was like, do do you want to be taught of his place? You know where you're from. That was where the backwoods. But anyway, I don't know. But it seems oh, and Bo Diddley's mentioned in there as well. Um, so yeah. They're all people of colour and they're not saying anything bad about these people. It's just I'm trying to get into the mindset of them writing the song. What's what's going on there? They kind of say, I guess, I mean, to me, backwards, at first, well, okay, I get that. I thought it was going to be a sexual thing, you know, squeeze on the lemon a la Led Zeppelin. But, um, and then backwards, generally to me, always sounds like you're kind of, you're calling somebody a redneck and uh but when i look into it a bit more it doesn't seem to be about rednecks and you know that's fine oh you know i just uh it, it was probably the first song on this album lyrically that i was like okay i didn't want to read back over those lyrics again um so yeah um bo diddley is referred to here as mr uplift mofo again kind of a, an album title reference um course is slightly unimaginative lyrically it's just taking me to your backwards now uh repeat four times but you know the music in the course is fine the music overall in this song is really good hillel attacks that guitar um yeah i mean there's been a bit of a i'd say with the first track 
big up and not a down but just like a little bit of a slight uh gradient downwards slightly with the second song then back up with the third song and then with this song again it's just a slight dip down not not really not like nothing like that I'm like oh god I need these songs suck none of them suck so far so that's that's pretty good um I mean look the lyrics on this it kind of makes you laugh not not the other bits that I mentioned but just you know there's a bit here and I, I'm gonna say it like really like matter of fact but Oh well, Mr. Uplift, Mofo, my man, Bud Diddley, hit sipping a bottle of nickel ripple. Played the lickety split finger, licking licks for all you wicked city slick chicks. <laughs> I can't say that with a laughing fully, but uh, you know. Look, part of the reason I like the band is because of the nonsensical lyrics. Um, Yeah, this song is fine. It's cool. It's, uh, it makes you, like, I'm just, when I just come back to that, you know, mention all those... Uh, uh, people that doesn't the song um yeah i'm just trying to get into what they're going for are they just trying to bring it back to the song is not rootsy but it feels like somewhere in all those crazy lyrics there's sort of a an appreciation for um kind of a rootsy style of uh, life maybe hmm. how about that okay so skinny sweaty man is one of those quick songs um but it's okay um it's uh it actually seems to incorporate a lot of cartoon well it does incorporate a lot of cartoon type voices there's a things there's a bit of a chipmunk voice i mean as in as an alvin and the chipmunks yeah i don't mean an actual chipmunk um then there seems like bugs bunny and various kind of maybe not looney tunes characters but certainly of that sort of ilk um it's not all throughout the song i mean Okay, this is going like 120 here. Um but like yeah, it's just it's it's about a skinny sweaty man in the green suit. I just thought at first, so I was like, is this a morph suit? But I don't even know if morph suits are around then. Probably were. Uh just weren't around Ireland. Um or were they? This I yeah, actually this is I think most of the song seems to reference Looney Tunes because there's even a reference to um the skinny sweaty man being a full blooded full blooded looney tune. And there's a reference to Dr. Susan here and various it's it's a um, nonsensical song really. Um Yeah. I that's it really. There's not there's not I mean skinny sweaty man in the green suit, who could that be? Um I'm sure someone's out there going, Oh, it's some such a person. But skinny sweaty man in the green suit. It's hardly Ryan Reynolds in the Green Lantern, is it? Could a could a song have predicted that? Probably not. Um, and nobody really remembers that movie. Behind the Sun is the sixth song, the final track on side A, and this is a real curveball. Um, I actually when I first the first couple listens to this song, I didn't really uh, I didn't really enjoy it. I'm still not sure if I like it. But I think part of that has to do with the fact that the the last five songs, or well, the the preceding five songs, they've been quite um, they've all been kind of stomping in their own way, and this song, while it's it's a more chill out song, which is fine in and of itself, but it just the production that sounds different slightly. The song. I mean, it kind of recalls the idea of, I guess, the, lyrically, the band are, you know, are at one with nature and the creatures of the water. Uh, it's kind of about just chilling out with Dolphin. Um, but it also seems to be kind of hopeful in terms of, in terms of like, um, you know, um, I don't know, just, it's just a really, it's a, it's a sun-kissed song. Um... Uh, that wasn't intended to be kind of punny or anything like that. It's just, just the way it is. I just, it's, it's kind of a song you could imagine playing, well, at that time playing on the beach. It just, it does, it's drenched in the sun, really. Uh, but it's just, it's a really odd song because I don't know, I haven't listened to Side B yet, but I, I and oh yeah, Michael Beinhorn, Beinhorn, uh, he's involved in writing this one, so maybe... 
him having a co-written the song with the band has something to do with that. It's just I like even compared. I mean, obviously, look, you, one would hope that the band would uh evolve a bit from album to album, and especially this early to current. You know, so far I would say this is definitely another step up. But with this song, I just kind of feel it's almost like a song that when I first heard it, I was like, this almost sounds like a song that could be an extra track at the end of an album. You know, when you get an artist finishes, you know, and then somebody says, oh, you know, for the special edition or whatever, we, we tack on however many songs. Maybe we just tack on one song. And this would be that one song. It just, it doesn't sound like the rest so far. And uh, just, yeah, it's just the sound. I mean, the, the lyrics again, as I say, we've been down kind of a similar road before. But um, I do love the, I will say though, at the start of the song, and it's kind of played, it comes in now again, there's a lovely smooth bass rundown from Flea. Who else, of course, who else is going to get, go in with that bass? But, um, yeah, it's, um, this is just a really interesting song. And, you know, as much as I was like, I don't know if I like this song, of all the songs, when I first listened to this uh, side, I was just like, ugh. But then I've kind of grown to, like, for better or worse, this chorus of this song was stuck in my head most of today. So that's saying something, right? Um. So, yeah, following on from that, then, we're going to be going into the... Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more thing I, for, I forgot to say about this song. I did read where um, the band wanted to release this as a single at the time in the studio. Or the, the record company was like, no, it doesn't really... Um, it doesn't really uh, represent your sound. Um, so the band didn't release it as a single to later on when they had a compilation album out. And I can kind of see, I'm not saying, oh, you know, the studio or the, the record company were right, but, you know, I, I can kind of appreciate that. It's like this is a bit of a, it's a, bit of a left turn. Um, but anyway, so that concludes side A. Uh, following on from that, we are going to be going into side B and beginning with Subterranean Homesick Blues, the Bob Dylan song. I'll be interested to see how they handle that. Uh, that's the one with the placards. See, there's a video of the placards. Um, but anyway, uh, then it ends with a song called Organic Anti-Beatbox Band. And yeah, another six songs. And um, just looking at the titles here, there is a song called Party on Your Pussy. So I'd say... It's pretty clear what that's about. There's also some called Love Trilogy. So, mm, okay. And it's it's only two minutes and 40 seconds long. It's a, is it actually a Love Trilogy or is it like a threesome or something? Anyway, I don't know. Look, let's not judge too much here. But, um, yeah, let's, um, let's get into side B now. So side B kicks off with Subterranean Homesick Blues cover of a Bob Dylan song. And I was curious what they were going to do here. Um, they could have played it straight. Well, as straight as they can play it. Obviously, you know, when you're doing a Bob Dylan song, he, you know, could veer into a parody, at least vocally. But, you know, they could have played it straight or they could, you know, have... You know, have a bit of fun with the song and do something interesting. And in fairness to them, I mean, either way it can work as long as the song is enjoyable. But they've actually went with the more let's mix it up a bit and have fun with it. So yeah, they've um they've really funkified it. It's probably the funkiest song on the album so far. Um, they've also changed. I was listening. They're like, wait. I mean, I actually was a real nerd with this one, and I compared the lyrics. And I was like, wait, there's some bits here that they're saying that, yeah, they're, they're taking out a couple of lines here and there. And when it comes to the chorus, where, it's, where Bob Dylan just says, look out, kid, something you did, you know, and, you know they kind of, they, they do this kind of thing where it's like, look out, kid, because it's something that you did, kid. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's very, it's 
very eighties sounding in a way, but it's it's all right. It's 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 fine. Um, and then not only do they mess around with the song structure, but they actually changed. Uh, you know, both lyrically and musically, because it's it. You know, it's pretty um unrecognizable from the original. Bar a couple of little enunciations here and there, but those are very slight. They're not really like oh, that's a complete. You know, there's little um subtly to the original song, but. In terms of how it sounds, but very, very, very slight. But uh, then the lyrics, some of the lyrics change as well. There's a bit where, you know, um, it's like Anthony singing the good Gollum. No oh wait, Gollum, um, Gollum. The good God willing, we'll be Bob to Bob Dylan, and uh, yeah. So I, I figured when I looked at that lyric, I was like, yeah, I don't think Bob Dylan said that in the original song. I don't think he was, you know, referring to himself. That being said. They refer to him, and then you know they can't help but refer to themselves in this. So the good, good God willing, we'll be Bob to Bob Dylan, chilling him, trilling him, and red hot killing him. So there, there we go. With you know, they they're just getting in. You know, it's not so far chronologically. We've gone every album with some sort of a slight reference to the band themselves. Um, and yeah, and then near the end of the song, there's um, I did a little bit more research. Uh, but that this. I haven't looked this up in any particular way. I just I was curious because there's a riff at the end of the song that remind me of a, um, the the song "Word Up" by Cameo, and there's a riff that Hillel does near the end, and it sounds partially well. I'd say someone, you know, sometimes you hear something that sounds like another thing, like it partially sounds like that. Then you find that somebody sues, you know, another artist because they copied the line. So I feel like there's a bit of a riff, um borrowing here but um yeah so this song this riff at the end does sound a bit like word up and the main riff from that song word up um and i was just curious this is a bit of research i did here the research bit's coming in now yeah i am um, this album came out in 1987 to uplift mofo party plan but the song word up came out in 1986 so you know it's still a pretty popular song and probably you know i don't know it seemed like they were aware of. I, I, I can't imagine that they weren't aware of borrowing this riff or if Hillel did indeed just make it up, but I think somehow it entered into the, the music consciousness, consciousness somehow. Okay, the next song is a nice little ditty called Special Secret Song Inside, except it's actually really called Party on Your Pussy. Um, okay, some patterns emerging from the last three albums. Uh, there's usually at least a cover, a cover song, um, somewhere in the middle, and then there's a song that the band have written, and they kind of, they kind of let everything hang out. Um, I didn't intend for that to be an innuendo, but it just, it's usually, the cover is usually followed by a song that I just like, okay, that last song was, you know, was kind of like its own tribute to whichever artist, but now let's just whip our dicks out a little bit and just uh, right whipping our dicks out, and the songs can be a little bit messy following on from a cover. But I don't know. It just I you know it just feels like at least the tracks are sequenced that way. It feels like or at least the last three albums, including this one. So part on your pussy. Um, yeah, look. I kind of feel like, even though I kind of gave out on the last album, by the second half, and I, I think this album, you know, it was pretty reserved in terms of all that stuff so far, and I don't mean that that's not meant to sound prudish or anything like that. They just, I where I'm going with this is basically, I kind of feel like. The band come across rather sweet about sex. They're not like, I never really feel like, they're. Uh, you know, they talk to talk a lot, but, you know, there's never a kind of thing where I've been like, God, you know, uh, you know, yeah, not even wash your mouth. It just feels like, what am I trying to say here? I guess I am trying to say that, you know, you can look up your daughters and wives, but chances are, 
even you know if you didn't lock them up you know the band wouldn't know what to do anyway they'd just be like uh, uh, I I already came my pants okay sorry bye they're just so uh, almost <laughs> endearing about their uh, their ongoing um, virginal sex addiction that's the way I would put it um, but I will get into the lyrics a little bit of this song um, just slightly the I mean, the course is just about partying on a pussy. But um, the verses, well, the first verse anyway, uh, my young lady, she lives three houses away. She claims that she can hear moaning and screaming to me fucking you every night. Well, let me say hey. Now, I don't care about the last line, but so his young lady lives three houses away. And she says she can hear... Moaning, screaming. So, but it's not, like, it's not coming from her, that moaning and screaming. It's coming from another woman. So, yeah. So, just two women? Which is not out of the realms of a song, whatever. But it's just like, oh, okay. It just kind of, I just, you know, it just threw me for a loop. And then there's a bit, um... Struck by lust in a telephone booth, bust by a cop. He said, That's uncool. Uh, that's all in, in air commas. Uh, he said that he hears moaning and screaming to me, fucking you every night. Well, let me say, Hey, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, it's just the other bit, it's like, you know, or you know, is Anthony or whoever wrote the lyrics to the song saying, Yeah, yeah, you know, my, my girl, she's three houses away, and she, you know, she almost says, it Like, it's like. It's almost like, hey, you know, your your car alarm is keeping me up all night. Like it's it's not fair. It's it's almost like, hey, uh, yeah, you're with my boyfriend and I can hear you moan all fucking night, and it's uh yeah, it's just <laughs> it's a uh, I guess you could say it's a neighborhood issue. No chump love sucker. Um, I will give it this as a song so far into the catalog, is. It's a, well, it's a love song. It's an anti-love song, I guess. It's an anti-woman song. Because, uh, not anti-woman, it's an anti-feminist. Just a particular woman. Um, yeah. Anthony's just, like, fed up with this bitch. And, um, yeah. She was, you know, you know, she was fine at one stage. What What's the actual lyrics here? Yeah, you know, you know, he kissed that bitch and... <laughs> You know, I don't know if he's refer talking to a friend or he's just saying to himself, so what if she's got big tits? So what, you know? Fair play. Um and you know, he he lists out things about her. She's the kind of girl who changes her mind really quick. I mean that's a big no no right there. Uh she's the kind of girl who won't let who won't just let things sit. Okay. There could be a lot more going on with that, I'll give him that. But um yeah, it's um it's kind of music uh wise, it's a it's, I'd say actually this song probably would sound great live. Walking on down the road. This is a mid-tempo song and it's probably more rock than funk. Um, I would say, but it's a, it's a catchy song. It's got a great chorus. Um, it's a really solid album track. Uh, there's nice group vocals in there. Um, there's actually five songwriters in this one. The flea the flea that's what we're going to call them now like the edge the flea anthony keenis hillel jack irons and cliff martinez actually has a credit to this song as well or credit on the song even and um yeah there's a fade out on the track as well but it's you know it's it's used well i think and um i would have thought at the time this would have been a really solid live track it kind of you know if there's you know whatever it is partying or pussy or i don't know yurt or turtle or something this would be a nice kind of a come down song but before you get to the um i guess before you get to the proper full set at the end of that um this would be the second last song i don't know i i maybe not but uh yeah it's a good song and 
it seems to be lyrically a song about um, brotherhood and perseverance. I don't know why this song is called Love Trilogy. Um, and I thought maybe when I'd look up the lyrics, it would be kind of like, for some reason I actually thought it was going to be like one sort of set of lyrics. And then a completely different kind of uh, stanza style or structure to the next set. And then by the third set, it'd be something else. Or that would be kind of, uh, maybe given what we've seen so far or listened to, it would be three different, um, maybe three different, uh, what would you say, dalliances? I don't know. Anyway, so that's not that clear. But I, look, it, it seems to be a song about just love, be it, Pussy Juice, be it the Zulu Groove, um, or be it for an unknown grubby bum. But um, yeah, that's in there too. But I, I kind of, there's a couple of things I think about with this song. Um, first off, and it's kind of reminds me, they have that sort of punky thing going on with how a song like this sounds. It's not, it doesn't really do like, I know Flea is going crazy on the bass, but there's nothing really musically crazy, like great about the song. Um, it sort of sounds punky without the catchiness of a really good punk song. Yet, like, and you know, Anthony's singing kind of, I wouldn't like his singing is better than a garage punk band, but it, it just feels, yeah, it kind of has that punk DNA, which is, that's that's fine, um, but there's an interesting I find about Anthony Kiedis a couple times, and I haven't listened to an interview with him recently, but I know sometimes he kind of latter years he, especially since he you know released the um autobiography Scar Tissue, he kind of comes across. I didn't read that book, but he generally comes across since the California California Cajun era as, you know. He's a serious songwriter and, you know, I know he, he, you know, he writes about, you know, he's been very vocal about his drug use and that, but there's certain times in songs like this, and I know this song kind of doesn't just refer to, you know, getting laid, but I wonder how he feels about his earlier material, or at least I think he's been involved with, because he seems to take himself quite seriously as, I mean, you know, obviously he's matured. But, like, he's almost like two different people, I would say, to some extent. Well, bar the fact that when he's, he still plays um, most of the time shirtless live, which is, that's cool. But um, just, if you didn't, like, aside from knowing, the, like, the vocal sound, but he just kind of comes across like a completely different person to who he was. And, yeah, I get it, people change, but... From I'm just curious how you feel about some of the stuff now because I know the little I know about um I've listened to some of his commentaries on some of the songs before and he does seem to distance himself from uh some of the band's output. I don't know actually how he feels about some of this um the stuff around this particular era, but I know later on he's a little with certain a certain lineup I won't get into now, but he's kind of like, oh, they weren't great times, like, and uh, at that stage he's a pretty well established rock star, but um, yeah, I, I'm just curious how he how he would feel about all this, um, like, does he kind of is he above all this? Does he, or you know, because sometimes it seems like lyrically to fall back into some of this kind of stuff a little bit, uh, but you know. In this particular album, the last album, and maybe in the debut album, you know, there's definitely a, you know, a lot of reference to getting laid and just stuff like my like what what's the line here? My love is the skin of my flute. I mean, it's okay, fair enough. Uh it's just like I'm not saying it's a bad lyric. I'm just curious what what's going on. You know, maybe this was a completely coked up song. Maybe I'm looking into this one too much. Um, I will say there's actually something just get back back to the song itself. Just just looking at the lyrics while listening to the song, I do feel there's a slight probably tinge of sadness to this actually because 
you know, he's talking about, you know, my love for a bunch of knuckleheads. I mean, he's so, my love for the squeaks of the bed. It's not, you know, this is not a song primarily about friends or, you know, but I do kind of feel like, um, knowing that Hillel died after, like, after this album was released, you know, there's, I feel like there's a lot of, not in this song particularly, but it kind of reminded there's a lot of, maybe, uh, what do I say, layered emotions maybe, but um, not that you're going to get lots of layered emotions in a song where it has my love protection, my love erection, but you know, I can't, I can't help but feel like there's a lot, there's a lot going on with the band at this time, and while the song is partially about sex and it's partially about just the ocean and a bunch of knuckleheads and the sounds of the drums, it's it feels a little bit bittersweet. Um, organic anti beatbox band is a rocker, mm -hmm. and actually, I will say. Certainly, I don't. I like it. It doesn't happen often enough on a rock rock album where, um, at least modern rock albums. And I know this is not a modern rock album, but I do like when a rock album ends with an actual rock song, um, like a rocking song. And um, well, I wouldn't say it's a brilliant song. It's uh it's all right. It's just, it's really about just the band's just being a, a rocking band. They don't refer to themselves as the Red Hots or whatever, but you know, there's a reference to the Uplift Mofo Party plan again. Um, and it's just it's about them representing the Hollywood kids. Uh, uh, there's Hollywood again, and I don't really have a lot to say musically about the song, it's just it's a real party song, and oh, well, obviously, that's what they're going for because at the start of the song, at the end. There's hooting, hollering, clapping. Actually, when I first heard the song, at the first couple of times listening to the start of it, I actually thought, was this, is this a live track? Like, in front of a, a crowd, but it's just, you know, that's just, uh, whether they've added that in afterwards or they're just having a good time. But obviously, this is a song that they were probably pushing to play live and be a, a party, I wouldn't call it a party rock song, but it's, it feels like it's a good time rock song and um yeah it's it it probably was a mainstay in the under set list at the time um and it's just it's just about partying really it's it's about partying without saying you know anything specific about partying it's just you know and no doubt the band are doing lots of partying but uh yeah it's, it's an okay song um and yeah, it's funny because it starts off with a nice kind of a, I think it's a staccato riff by Hillel and it ends pretty much with him playing out, which, uh, yeah, it's quite apt. And that brings me to the end of the Uplift Mofo Party plan. And in a way, it actually, it brings me to the end of a certain chapter in this podcast. Don't worry, it's not getting all sentimental or I'm not going to start... I'm not going to quit the podcast and then decide to do something on Talking Heads. It's, uh, imagine if I did that, actually. Imagine if I was like, this podcast has to end. I'm going to, this, this podcast on the Red Hot Chili Peppers has to end. I'm going to do, have, I have to do that on Talking Heads. Like, it was some sort of a weird hex or something. It'd be the, the shittest horror concept ever, I will say that. Um, I just, uh, any podcaster who did something on that band then had to quit because somehow it was there was omens that I was like okay I must do talking heads now um anyway so what I meant by the end of this chapter is that those first three albums I hadn't heard I really didn't have any relationship I didn't have any relationship full stop because I didn't know them um and but first off, I will say just about this album. I think side B, and it was pretty all right actually. At first, I was I actually thought it was a bit choppy, but then I I listened to it a few times over, and um, kind of grew on me. I even part on your pussy, um, 
is okay. I would say, I don't think there's any, there's not really bad tracks. And, and, I mean, Love Trilogy might be a bit naff uh, there, but, um, like, to be honest with you, just, like, Behind the Sun on the side A, I wasn't that mad about. And just so we're clear, I'm not looking to do some sort of a, you know, side A versus side B. I just, the last couple of albums, I felt there was definitely a dip in standout, not even standout, but in good songs on side B of the last two albums. And I was just hoping just for a bit of quality control. I don't know, just maybe just quality generally on side B or just something to differentiate because otherwise I was going to have these three albums where I was like, yeah, the first side is, is kind of okay and then kind of is not okay then by the end of the second side. I just, to be honest with you, I just want a good album. And anyway, was this album good? It was okay. It was a lot, I think it was actually overall a lot better than, was it a lot better than the last album? It was better. Definitely there's, you know, I can see improvements all the time. And yeah, I think this band will go far. They've they've got something. They've got Moxie. Um but I will say I often think about this when it comes to reading reviews of an album, say a big artist, like a big name artist, I don't mean an artist with weight issues. A big name artist has like you know they've just released this doesn't matter so much now, but when there used to be uh pre-release kind of reviews of it like in a magazine or they got you know they got a what would you call it a press copy of an album or whatever and how they can make up their mind so quickly whether an album is good or not because some artists like it's like well and I don't mean to have to make it overnight I don't know how how often that a reviewer listens to an album before they decide what to think of it but I will say like I maybe I'll come back to one of these albums um Probably will come back to this album a bit. I don't know if I... I guess my point with the critic thing is just that, like, you could... I could say, okay, the album sucks, but then grow on me, and that's often been the case. So I, I just wonder with critics what they're... Um, do they have certain... Do they just go with their initial instinct? I mean, obviously, everyone is different. Anyway, that's a tangent. But um, I think there's definitely some nuggets on each of the first three albums. Um, I'm curious to see how, a bit of a teaser for the next episode, I'm familiar with Mother's Milk, um, and, um, I'm curious as to how, now that I've listened to these three albums chronologically, um, will I have a greater appreciation for that album, knowing a little bit of, well, musical context so i'm looking forward to that um well this one's been all right um and this was the end of this lineup uh but anyway we'll save some of this for the we'll save some of that talk for the next album um yeah so that's that's the end of this episode hope you've enjoyed it um i've enjoyed these three albums on it Obviously, well, enjoyed them to varying degrees. And I look forward to sharing some thoughts on the next album because I haven't listened to it in a long, long time. If you want to send me any messages, what are your thoughts on the album? Or what are your thoughts, like, generally, have you revisited these albums and thought, you know what, these are great, these are shit? You know, or... I don't even know how they, like figure so much in the band like obviously they're in the back catalogue but are they well revered is there one of these albums that people kind of figure like that's that's an underrated masterpiece um and you know the one thing i will say is it's like the band obviously got bigger and bigger as time went on but i think a lot of artists now certainly with albums you can't rely on your like your main <laughs> source of revenue well, certainly right now it's not gigging, but generally the last few years it's been touring and the album sales or Spotify or whatever way you can whatever way you can make your money or merchandise. But I will say it's, it's kind of cool that, you know, 
to constantly find their footing and they have at least two or three albums before they really get themselves together. I'm not saying that one of these um albums is necessarily shit, but you know, some bands who get or artists who get it right out the gate they've created their their debut album as a, a classic album and then it's like lauded by fan or new fans and uh critics, but some artists just take a while to get there. Um and I kinda get the impression with the first three albums for the Red Hot Chili Peppers they were still sort of finding their footing. So yeah, what are your thoughts? Send me an email on andywarbner at gmail.com or yeah, follow me on Instagram. Take care. Bye.